Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. Please take your Bibles. I'd ask you to open up to Philippians chapter 4. If you do not have a Bible, please get one behind each section of chairs. There's a little table with some Bibles on it. We want to provide those for you and you take one if you need one. Take one permanently if you need one. Philippians chapter 4. Life has been called, and I believe aptly so, a jungle. Living life can be quite often like living in a jungle. We have adversaries and predators that are after and are attacking. We have just the wild nature, like in a jungle. The jungle wants to swallow everything up around it. And we live in a broken world that wants to shape and squeeze and mold us into its measure, into its image. So we're living a battle. And on top of that, we are broken ourselves. But what I'm convinced, without question, one of the great themes of Scripture is that with Jesus Christ, we can live a life with the fullness of joy. That's how He lived, was for the joy set before Him that He endured all of this life and its evil and its even the crucifixion, His death on a cross with his joy intact, uh, a joy that transcended and kept him above instead of under circumstances. And so what I want to talk to you about today is three things from Philippians 4. As you live in the jungle, as a follower of Christ, I want to tell you how to get by, how to get ahead, and how to get along. How to get by how to get ahead and how to get along. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 2 to 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 to 9. We're going to take this in three divisions. We're going to look at each one for a little while and chew on it and try to extract the truth there with the help of the Holy Spirit. But we're not going to take them in order. We're going to look at section 2, section 3, and then jump back up to section 1. But let me begin by just reading through all nine verses, starting with verse 2. Paul writes to the church at Philippi these words, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Synthchi to agree in the Lord. Yes, I, also, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer 
and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's begin with verses 4 through 7. And what we're going to see here is a, an answer for how we can get by in the jungle of life. How we can survive, how we can endure, how we can walk through whatever comes our way in life without being defeated in the midst of it. And here is Paul's admonition in verse 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verses 4 and 5 there, each give a command. He says... Rejoice in the Lord. And then, that is not only a command, that also has the key in which you will be enabled to live a life of joy regardless of the circumstances. The command is to rejoice and the key is to be in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You see, the Lord lived with fullness of joy. The Lord endured what we will never have to endure, but He did it with joy. If you read John chapter 15, Jesus talks about living a life of fruit, more fruit, and much fruit, and having a fullness of joy because we remain in Him. You see, it's in the Lord that we're going to find our joy. So the commands in verse 4 is to rejoice in the Lord, and the command in verse 5 is let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So the second command here is to practice reasonableness. The Greek word here means to yield. It means not to fight for your rights, but to waive your rights for others. It means to be forbearing and to not have a a spirit of retaliation. It means to have a sweet reasonableness with others. And why? Because the Lord is near. Listen, the reality of the presence of Jesus in you and in others should be the key to us 
growing in unity and defeating disunity. If the Lord lives in me and the Lord lives in my brother Ezel, then me and Ezel better be together in heart. Because the Lord is not divided. Right? The Lord is not divided. And where we're going, we're not going to be divided. And this is preparation for there. So the command, rejoice in the Lord always, verse 4. Command, verse 5, let your reasonables be known to everyone. Jump over verse 6 and go to verse 7. Here's the payoff. That you get to enjoy the all-conquering peace of God And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, do you want to trade in your worry and your anxiety for unshakable peace? Paul tells us how to right here in verse 6. So 4 and 5 command, 7 payoff, verse 6 is the how-to. And here's verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Do not be anxious. Some translations, do not worry. Our English word for worry or anxiety, the the Anglo-Saxon word for that. Guess what it means? It means to strangle. Just think about the principle that crosses over there. What does worry and anxiety do to life? It strangles it spiritually. It strangles it emotionally. Do you feel like you're being torn apart? The biblical term to be anxious means to be torn apart. Do you feel like you're being torn apart? Here's what Paul says. Prayer will bring peace into your jungle. Because here's what happens. In prayer, and it's not just throwing up, uh, you know, kind of a vending machine prayer. He's talking about living a life of prayer here. And what happens in prayer is you Turn your focus and your attention on God and who is God. He's the God to whom nothing is impossible. He's the God to whom every mountain is just a speck. He's the God that is in the depths of the sea and on the top of every mountain. He's the God that walks on top of the storm. He's the God that darkness is as light to him. So what happens in prayer, if we're living a life of prayer, we turn our focus and attention on God and we are consumed with the reality of who He is. And then when we glance back down at our circumstances, even if they are monumental from an earthly perspective, they are minute compared to God. We see them as we should. And what happens is, that's what helps us to get by in the jungle. It's prayer. It's a life of prayer. So how do you get by in the jungle? you got to hit your knees in prayer. world's going to chip away at your peace. To keep it, you got to keep hitting your knees in prayer. 
And the promise here is that you get peace. But not just peace. Look at verse 7. And the peace of who? And the peace of God. What kind of peace does God have? It's an undefeatable peace. It's an unconquerable peace. It's a peace that cannot be diminished. That cannot be stolen away. It's the peace of God. How do you hit your knees? Well, Paul tells us right here, just look at the four words in the sentence. He says, but in everything by prayer. Just the general word here for prayer. In prayer, as we begin, we approach God. And how are we to approach God? We're to approach Him recognizing who He is in worship. Right? Jesus taught us like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. So, as we approach God in prayer, we approach in worship. Secondly, by prayer and petition. Petition is a general statement here for asking God for our needs, asking Him to meet our needs. Then the next is thanksgiving. It's thanking God for our blessings. We're to go to God with an attitude of gratitude, with lips that are constantly giving thanks to God for all of His manifold blessings. The vast majority of those we don't even see. But even when we're in the valley, even when we are in the fearful jungle and the enemy is attacking, God is still good and His blessings are still being poured out upon you whether you can see them or not. He's there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So the thanksgiving in prayer is to be constant and then we are to present our requests to God. We need to tell God the details. We need to talk to him about the stuff of our lives, the specific things that are going on. He wants to have that kind of fellowship and communion with us. Now listen, thinking about the, you know, the focus of the jungle, that doesn't mean with your specific request that you present to God your hit list and you tell him who to take out, right? That's not what he's talking about. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you coming to Him as your provider and bringing your specific needs to Him. And then, here's the hard part, here's the hard part. Then you trust Him to do what He knows to do when He knows it's time to do it. Not what you think should be done according to your time frame. It's trusting in God. And here is the benefit if you will consistently pray like that and approach God like that and pray in an attitude of gratitude and present your request. The payoff is the peace of God will guard you. That word in the Greek for guard, it pictures a well-garrisoned stronghold. A well-garrison. You're going to be in a, a fortified stronghold with God's servants guarding you within that fortified stronghold. That's what the peace of God will be like for you. So here's the first 
point. You want to get by in the jungle, you want to survive it, you want to be able to endure whatever comes your way, then what you need to do is you need to hit your knees in prayer and keep hitting your knees in prayer. It's the key that will cause you to get by in the jungle. Let's go to step two, how to get ahead in the jungle. How to get ahead. Verses 8 and 9. Paul writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Here's what Paul is doing here. He's painting this picture of an incredibly positive person. And he gives us the keys right here for unlocking the power of that positive take on life into our life. You ever known somebody like that? You know, those irritating people that everything is up for them, right? I'm saying that in a facetious way. I want to be that person that nothing seems to get them down. Many years ago, Life Magazine they nominated Thomas Edison as the man of the millennium. Thomas Edison, right? The incredible inventor. I mean, the guy was a genius. And throughout his life and his inventions, he had built up this huge plant. And at 67 years old, well, let me, give you the, let me give you this quote that he said about, just to help you understand his mindset. He said at one point, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. 67 years old, a fire broke out at his factory. And you can imagine what would be in the factory of Thomas Edison, right? All kinds of chemicals and they couldn't get the fire out and the chemicals just turned the torch on, engulfed 10 buildings. He at 67, standing there with his 24-year-old son Charles, watching all that he had built burn to the ground, looked over at Charles, his son, and said this, Charles, go get your mother and all of her friends because she's never seen a fire like this one. <laughs> what a take, right? What a perspective. And Charles objected. He was seeing the same thing but had a different spin. And his father said, Charles, don't worry. Just look at all the rubbish that we're getting rid of. And he said to the reporters that evening, Mr. Edison, he said, 67 now. He said, I'm going to start rebuilding tomorrow. The next day, he started rebuilding. 67 years old. Didn't fire a person. 
that worked for him, but started the process in 67 of rebuilding. He'd found a key to looking at life with a different perspective than a low ground level, woe is me perspective. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, set your mind not on things down here. Set your mind on what's worth setting your mind on. And he labels them true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. That's the things that you need to spend your mental energy focusing on. That's where you need to live your life. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my theological heroes of another generation, said these words. Most unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. That's a powerful quote. That is a powerful quote. You see, the way that we are naturally in our brokenness and in this broken world wired to do is that we, we feed the negative talk and we focus on what is negative around us instead of taking something that transcends and setting our hearts and our minds on that. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. Get your heart and your mind set on what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. That's what you need to think about. You see, to get ahead in the jungle... What we need to do is think and live God's truth. It's God's truth that is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. That's what we need to think about. That's where we need to set our focus and our attention and give our energy to. That's how we get ahead. You see, we change our thinking and we change our living. James makes this more specific for us. He takes the principle, James chapter 1, verse 25, and he puts some specific things that we can do to this principle. I want to look at that for a minute. James chapter 1, verse 25. Look at what James says. And remember, lay this over Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. All those things that we're to think about. James says... But the one who looks into the perfect law, that's God's law, that's this book. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. What feeds peace is not just information, it's application of the information. That's what James is saying here. Get into the Word. Focus on the Word that's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. And don't just hear it. Don't just have it here. Let it take the 18-inch journey to hear into your heart. Embrace it and then live it out in your life. 
And here's the payoff. The peace of God will be yours Verse 9, and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, that's putting into practice all the things in verse 8. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Compare verse 7 and the peace in verse 7 to the peace in verse 9. In verse 7, we get by through a life of prayer so that the peace of God guards us. In verse 9, as we take the truth and live it out, the God of peace is with us. Verse 7, the peace of God. Verse 9, the God of peace. You are not going to be defeated if the peace of God is guarding you and the God of peace is taking you through. You're going to win. You're going to have victory. You're going to transcend. And the problems of life are not going to crush you down. You're going to be able to walk on the storm. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it's going to be joyful all the way because the joy of God that comes with His peace is in spite of, not because of circumstances. So how do we unlock the transforming power of God's Word then? Just four keys here from James. I'll give you them. First one is look deep. It says the one who looks into. Another translation says this, the one who looks intently. That's the emphasis there of the Greek. Someone who really is looking intently, deeply into the truth of God. That's the first key for you. Unlocking the transforming power of the truth of God in your life, going from the head to the heart and out through all of your life is to look deeply. Secondly, it's to linger often. It's to linger often there. Look deeply, but don't just do it a few times. Linger there. It says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, in other words, keeps doing that lingers there, stays there. It's not just checking off, okay, I did my 10 minutes today of Bible. No, it's a lifestyle, not just a duty. A person that is meditating and thinking on the truth of God throughout the day is lingering often. Number three, memorize much. It's the third key. You see, he says, be no hearer who forgets. How do you be a person who doesn't forget? What do you remember? You remember what you memorize. Commit the Word of God to memory. Then you will be not forgetting, not one who forgets. And then, number four, apply all, but a doer who acts. But a doer who acts. So the four keys there are look deeply, linger often, memorize much, and apply all. 
Those are keys to taking this Word of God that is true and honorable and just and noble and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. And as you take it and you look deeply and linger often and memorize much and apply all that you're learning, what happens is you'll get ahead. In the jungle. In other words, the God of peace is going to be with you and His blessings are going to come with that. And then, third step. We've looked at two and three. We're going to jump up to number one and that's in verses two and three. And here, Paul tells us how to get along in the jungle. Because at times that is one of the hardest things to do, is how to get along. How to get along with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. How to get along with our own family members who are in the Lord. But I want you to see here how critical it is to the Lord that we do. Verse 2 and 3, Paul writes... This letter all about all-conquering joy from a prison cell. And he writes saying, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Synthchi to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, that's a We're not exactly sure who that is. There's opinions there, but clearly it's a fellow worker of Paul and the gospel that was there. I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. Help, true companion, help Yodia, help Sinchi, who have labored with me in the gospel together. And Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So Paul wrote this letter We just picture Paul taking his quill, dipping it in the ink, penning the letter. But here's the question. Who held the hand that held the pen that penned the letter? It's inspired by God. This is the Word of God. It's led by God. Here is Paul pleading. I plead. I entreat. But he was doing that because the God of heaven through Paul, was pleading and entreating Iodia and Sinchi to agree in the Lord. That's just incredible to me. The more that I think about that, that's incredible to me. The God of the universe, who is ruling over all things, right? I mean, What do we know with our little, feeble, human perspective and what have we seen with the Hubble telescope and the number of stars in our galaxy, what, a hundred billion, and the number of galaxies, a hundred billion. The God who calls out every star By name, he is saying, 
I plead, Eodia, and I plead, Sinchi, agree together in the Lord. I care about this. I'm giving time in my divinely inspired book that has only so much information in it. I'm giving time to you in this, telling you to get along. Now, I'm not trying to pick on ladies here. Guys need the same instruction. But the point is to see the heart of God through the heart of Paul here and how much God cares that his people live in peace and unity with each other. Look at Jesus is called the prince of what? The prince of peace. Now, if he's named the Prince of Peace and he is the head of the church and he is, then the head who is a Prince of Peace will not operate in a body of turmoil. I mean, that's just logic, isn't it? The Prince of Peace, who is the head of the church, is not going to function and operate effectively in a body of turmoil. We are to adorn the gospel. We are to be reflections of the Prince of Peace. Here's the interesting thing. God is, God's got a great sense of humor, right? The best sense of humor. This passage here the launching point from verses 2 on in chapter 4, the launching point is this life situation of these two peace breakers in the church. Yodi and Sinchi. These contentious ladies, here's what their names mean. Yodia, prosperous journey. Sinchi, pleasant acquaintance. So here is misprosperous and mispleasant who are supposed to be adorning the gospel, who are supposed to be helping the witness of the church prosper and helping the world around them see how pleasant it is to live in the Lord. Here comes misprosperous and pleasant peace breakers. In the church. So much so that Paul, in another town, in another region, in a dungeon word, leaves Philippi and crosses the landscape and goes down into the dungeon and reaches his ear about this division and he's writing his letter and he takes up the pen and he pleads with these two ladies to come together to agree in the Lord to bury the axe. Man, this should tell us something about how important it is in the heart of God that we get along with each other. Why would God be pleading for peace in His place? Here's why. There is, when there's a light on the inside, 
when there's no light on the inside, there's a corresponding failure on the outside to be the witness that we need to be in the world. Here's the point. Look, there's something bigger than our own lives here. There's something bigger than our own problems here. There is an eternal thing taking place. That's what he's getting at here. He is pleading with them to agree in the Lord. That doesn't mean that they think the same as the other. The point is, because of the Lord, they're going to, because of the priority of His Lordship, they're going to say, the differences that we have aren't worth dividing over. We're going to do what we do to honor the Lord. That's the point. And then what Paul does here is that he gives them a way, a key to how these two ladies can come to higher ground, can stand united together. I'm going to give it to you in a statement and then I'll show it to you. So the third part here is how do we get along in the jungle? And here's the answer. To get along, we must, we must, we must keep our focus on the right thing. We must keep our focus on the right thing. Look what he did in verse 3. He says to these ladies to agree together as women who have labored side by side with him in the gospel. So what he does first is, he says, we're about a great eternal campaign. You've labored in that campaign with me. There is something bigger here. There's a global mission going on that's bigger than your lives and so be about what the Lord is doing not trifling over and dividing over the little details of your life your workers in the gospel keep that as a focus and then secondly he says this whose names are in the book of life Yodia and Sinchi, your names are written in the book of life. Here's what that means. You're both going to be there. You're going to where there's no division. There's something bigger and grander about your life than what you're struggling with. There's an eternal reality that you're just getting ready for down here. Don't let the little troubles and the trials... I know that they can be huge. And if you're going through them right now, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I know problems can seem absolutely larger than life. But remember what we've learned to this point. To get by, you got to keep praying. you got to keep hitting your knees constantly because then you see from a God perspective and it helps you to get by. And you got to lean into the Word of God and the truth and meditate and reflect upon it 
and keep it in the forefront of your mind and take it from the head to the heart and flesh it out and that'll help you to get ahead. That'll be the God of peace walking through life with you through his word and then to get along, keep your eyes focused on the final day. Keep your eyes focused on the big picture. Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising its shame and set down the right hand of the throne of God. We get along by keeping our focus where it needs to be. When we have divisions, it's because often, I'm not saying there is not legitimate reasons. I'm just giving you some general principles here. We often are so consumed because we're looking to see what we can get. We're looking for our own comfort and our own pleasure instead of saying, God, I don't have any rights. You bought me, I'm yours. I just want to live for your glory. And if this trouble, this trial is an opportunity for me to shine forth your glory by walking through it faithfully, then Praise God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to let the darkness be the opportunity for the light of Christ in me to shine bright so that people will notice, so that people will see. That's how we get along. We keep our eyes focused on Christ and the joy that is coming and the big picture of the campaign that is going forth that we're a part of. Would you please stand? God, I am just, my mind is just running with this, the life of Jesus. Jesus always, always, always is the perfect example of the truth. And this is no exception. He lived the most difficult life. And in the midst of the greatest darkness that he endured, he shined brighter than the sun in all of its brilliance. And he set an example. But not only did he set an example for us, he said to his followers, I am with you, but I am going to be in you. And that's going to make all the difference in the world. He said, it's good that I go, because when I go, I'm going to send another counselor to be with you forever. And you sent your Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of the Lord who comes to live within us to enable us to live in the fullness of joy. Pray, Lord, that pray for myself you'd help me in a far greater measure to be a man of prayer. Not a checklist, but a lifestyle and to be a man who lives 
in the meditation of the Word and to be a man that keeps his eyes focused on the eternal and not get caught up and pressed down and defeated by the fleeting things of this life. Pray that for this body as well. Please, God, let this word that was seed that was scattered today find good soil and put down deep roots and bring about a harvest 30, 60, and a hundredfold. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.